wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Welcome into the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And on today's show, we're going to be previewing spring training, what you need to watch for, uh, how to watch spring training, what you should be even looking for at spring training, and also we're going to start our division previews. But first, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans like yourself. But what you may not know is that Locked On Royals is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Royals fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listeners, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Royals fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then this is the company for you, the Locked On Podcast Network. So how do we make that happen? Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777. Again, that's texting the word ADVERTISING to 33777 to have your local ad right here at the start of the Locked On Royals podcast. So again, text advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Pitchers and catchers have reported they're starting to work out in Surprise, Arizona. And that means it's time to preview spring training. Baseball is finally back. And on this episode, again, let's just preview spring training, what to watch for, how to absorb spring training games. And then, of course, we're going to start our division preview series. So what to watch for in spring training? I think that this year has a lot to do with the arms. You're going to be watching for those young starting pitchers, young pitchers in general. Of course, the highlight is Brady Singer, and I am going to be overanalyzing every bit of footage we get out of Brady Singer and his delivery and and all of his bullpen sessions. But there's also Lynch and all the other young arms. So the young arms are going to be who you focus on every year, but especially this year for Kansas City. And I think that these young guys are who you need to be focusing on because they're the guys who are going to take spring training seriously. They don't have that veteran tenure, that veteran experience to be able to go out to spring training and just start working on things. And and maybe I'm only going to throw fastballs this spring, or maybe I'm only going to throw my curveball this spring. Maybe I'm going to try to work on a new pitch and develop a new pitch. They're going out there trying to win a job. Same for the next group, the Reclamation Projects. This is your Greg Hollins of the world. This is your Trevor Rosenthal's of the world. This is even Richard Lovelady and guys like who are tweeners like that who have a chance to make the Royals bullpen but might not be firmly in there, might be on the outside looking in. How do you steal a spot 
in that bullpen. With the new three batter minimum rule, you have to show that you can be versatile and you can pitch to each side of the plate. This is going to be a big spring training for pitchers, especially if you're looking at a bullpen spot. We'll talk more about spring training and what the differences are between spring training and the regular season, but I think this spring training can be different than most because, like what I just said, the three batter minimum. So pitchers who are not firmly on the roster, and what I mean by that is Danny Duffy is not going to get sent down uh, after spring training. He's not going to get cut. He has no worries about being on the opening day roster. So for him, he can do whatever he wants this spring. If he wants to throw only fastballs, if he wants to work on a new slider, if he wants to not even try at all and just try to, again, develop new things, he can do that without any fear of of his on-field product causing him to get sent down. If you're in the bullpen, though, with the new three-bounded minimum, you want to go full force, especially if you're not firmly in the bullpen, because you're going to have to prove that you're not just a specialist, that you can get it done at either side of the plate. And now where that comes into effect is that it can be deceiving because just as pitchers try to work on things, batters will also be trying to work on things, a new stance, a new um, you know, a new batting position, things like that. Uh, you know, Focusing on driving the ball, focusing on just looking at the ball. I know Gadier Molina is a guy who most of the time doesn't even swing in, in spring training. He just likes to observe the ball going past. So it's an interesting balance to walk with spring training. I don't think that none of it matters the way some people do. I also don't think that all of it matter. All of it does not matter, and none of it also doesn't, you know, there's a fine line there. So the pitchers, again, they're gonna, you're going to look at the young arms and the reclamation projects because, let's face it here, Brad Keller, he's a guy who's going to be in that rotation. Danny Duffy, he's a guy that's going to be in that rotation. Mike Montgomery is a guy who's going to be in that rotation. So those are the guys that don't have to even worry about spring training. So, you know, to focus on them would be foolish because, sure, you would like for their ERA to be sub-2. You'd like for their ERA to be, you know, low and, and, and a huge amount of strikeouts and they look good. But it doesn't matter what they do. They're going to be on this roster anyway. It really matters what Brady Singer does, what Daniel Lynch does, what those young arms do. And then also, of course, Greg Holland and Trevor Rosenthal. So from a position player standpoint, I think the outfield is the most interesting. Now, I know what you're saying. You have Alex Gordon and Whit Merrifield locking down two of your three positions no matter what happens in spring. As long as Alberto Mondesi is healthy, Whit Merrifield's in the outfield, as is Alex Gordon. And then you have Hunter Dozier, who is a a true lock for that right field spot. And I want to see how he can develop with Rusty Coons, who's now back as the Royals' first base coach. And of course, he's done wonders uh, in developing outfielders for the Royals. He's now back in that in that position to influence Hunter Dozier and help him along in that process. But I also want to see, can Bubba Starling, can Brett Phillips, can they come into Surprise Arizona and surprise us and get at-bats, get innings in the big leagues? Can they even solidify their spot as a platoon or a, uh, a virtual bench bat, a vital bench bat for this team? Or are they going to prove that these two guys are not in the future plans whenever Alex Gordon retires after this year. Because I truly believe that after this year, you're going to have to replace Alex Gordon. So it starts right now. It starts today for Brett Phillips and Bubba Starling. Can they be that new wave in the outfield? What are you going to do with Merrifield? What if you trade him in the offseason? What if you trade him at the deadline even? Who's going to fill in for what Merrifield? So this spring training and this season is very important to Bubba Starling and Brett Phillips, in my opinion. 
And then the lone position battle I think that there is this spring is first base. I think that the rest of the positions are solidified. You're going to have Franco at third. You're going to have uh, Mondesi at short. You're going to have Nicky Lopez at second. You're going to have one of the two Ryans at first. You're going to have Perez catching. And then we just mentioned the outfield. Gordon, Merrifield, Dozier. So the first base is the only position I think that even has a battle. And it's going to be between Ryan O'Hearn and Ryan McBroom. I lean towards Ryan O'Hearn based on everything I've seen on the field. I lean that way. And also just the way that Mike Matheny is talking about Ryan O'Hearn. If you remember the first show we did, we talked about how Mike Matheny had come into spring training, has come into the winter meetings, all the way since he's been hired, and raved about Ryan O'Hearn. He truly believes in this guy. He truly believes that, that Ryan O'Hearn can take that 180 in his career and turn himself into an all-star the same way Hunter Dozier did a year ago. That's who Matheny's comparing O'Hearn to. And you do not do that if you do not already have in your mind he's your guy. Barring a traumatic, a drastic fall-off this spring and a and a surging from Ryan Boom, Broom this spring, you're going to have O'Hearn playing first base. McBroom, I think, I think he makes the 26-man roster, but I don't think he's your starting first baseman. I think that goes to Ryan O'Hearn. The last thing to watch in spring, I think, is health. Mondesi today went through a full workout. He seems to be doing well. He seems to be in good shape. He seems to be healthy. Salvador Perez today caught a bullpen session from Brady Singer. He says that he's 90% healthy. Uh, Mike Matheny says that he's not going to be restricted this spring. He is going to go to the doctor tomorrow to, to see the plan moving forward for spring training. So the health is a big thing, as it always is. Get these guys out of surprise healthy. And so after the break, let's talk about how to watch spring training. So I kind of touched on it briefly about how to watch spring training whenever we previewed spring training just now, but... The first thing is, do not overreact to veterans on either side of the plate. Don't overreact to pitchers getting shelled in spring training, because again, pitchers especially, will go into spring training. If you're a veteran and you know you're on the team, you'll go into spring training working on something. No matter if it gets rocked, or no matter if it works perfectly, you're going to be working on something. I want to work on my curveball, I want to develop a new slider, I want to work on my fastball, Whatever it is. And that's just what you're going to throw primarily. And eventually, the other team catches on and they start to hit it. And so, on the offensive side of the thing of the plate, you look at guys who, again, like Yadier Molina, does not even attempt to swing the bat a lot of the times. He just wants to watch it. He wants to get back in the feel of a game speed pitch. You have guys who will mess with their stance in spring training. They'll try to be more open. They'll try to be more closed off. They'll try to start their hands further back. They'll try to start their hands closer. They'll try to take pitches to the opposite side of the field. They're all working on something. If you're a veteran and you know you're on this roster, they're all going to be working on something. So don't overreact to the veterans. And then also don't overreact to the nobodies. One that comes to mind for Royals fans is is Peter O'Brien. He was hitting... Mammoth shots out of Surprise, Arizona. He was hitting the ball further than you could believe. Every game he was hitting a home run. And we were all celebrating it on Twitter. And baseball was back. And he had a nickname. Uh, you know, he, he was hitting tanks and blah, 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 blah. And he didn't even end up making the roster. 
It's because the competition he's doing it against. If a guy is hitting tanks off of a, off of a pitcher wearing 77 for the A's, that's not indicative of what he can do at the major league level. So it's all about perspective. And I truly think that the only thing I'll be taking away from this spring are the young arms, the reclamation projects, and then how do O'Hearn and McBroom look? And that's the key. It's not about comparing O'Hearn's stats to McBroom's stats at the plate. How do they look? Are they comfortable at first base? Are they efficient defensively? Are they having quality at-bats at the plate? Because those are two guys, again, they're young enough and they're not solidified at their position to where they're not going to be messing with a lot of stuff in, in spring training. They're not going to be working on their stance. They're not going to be focusing on only taking the ball to the opposite side of the field. They're going to be trying to win a job. So I want to see how they look at the plate and in the field. Those are the three things that I will really take away from spring training. And again, this is the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. So every day, you can come visit this podcast, subscribe if you haven't already, leave a review if you haven't already, and you'll know what the takeaways are from spring training, what matters and what doesn't matter. So let's end the show with the start of our division previews. Now this is all going to be wrapped up before next Friday whenever the Royals and Rangers kick off the MLB spring training game slate. We're going to go through each division and the postseason and see really who I think will win the World Series and win each division this year prior to spring training. We'll do this again after spring training, after the injuries happen, after teams you know look good or look bad or players look good and look bad. After the dust settles in spring training, we'll revisit this, see if I want to change anything. But this is right now my gut picks before spring training. So let's start in the East. Again, we're going to do AL and NL on the same day. Both going to be the East. In the AL East, I've got the Yankees, number one. I do not see a flaw with this Yankees team. It's not their starting pitching. It's not their bullpen. And it's certainly not their lineup. I think this Yankees team is among the best in baseball. I think you can make an argument the Dodgers are a lot better than them in terms of depth. So I'd probably put the Dodgers number one. But this Yankees team is gotta, has got to be number two, even 1B if you're so bullish on the Yankees. I think the Yankees are a solid baseball team that, that really has no flaws. The only question you can even pose to the Yankees, are they going to stay healthy? And that's a big one. Are they going to stay healthy? Because I know that you can point to last year and say, hey, they didn't stay healthy last year, but they still got the job done. That was magnificent last year. That was historic last year. That was magical last year. It doesn't get talked about enough because it's the Yankees. What they were able to do last year does not happen. And it certainly does not happen two years in a row. If they get hurt again this year the way they got hurt last year, those guys like DJ LeMay who are not stepping up and having career years all at the same time. They're not taking advantage of making the most of their opportunities all at the same time to keep that team not only afloat, but among the best in the AL yet again, even with all the injuries. So the only question I have for the Yankees is, can they stay healthy? And if they can't stay healthy again, it's time to start looking at the team itself because they just replaced their athletic staff. Uh, they They just replaced their training staff, I mean. So they're trying their best to right the ship from last year. I have them winning the AL East. Number two, this is easy for me, the, the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know that they've made a lot of moves this offseason that make you scratch your head, as they always do. Giving up Pagan just last week was ridiculous, in my opinion. And you bring back a terrible outfielder who provides 
nothing in the field or at the plate. I don't get that. They traded Tommy Pham. I get that move. You get back, you know, you get back enough talent there to replace what you lost. And Tommy Pham didn't want to be in Tampa Bay anyway. I think that the Rays always figure it out, though. They, they make these moves every year, and every year they win 90-plus games. I think the Rays finish second in the AL East and secure a wildcard spot. At third, I have the Toronto Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are a young, scrappy team. I like the addition of Rayu. I like what they're building. I don't think that they're there yet. The Blue Jays remind me of the 2013 Royals. Now, it's not going to happen so fast for the Blue Jays. They're not going to go from the 2013 Royals to the 2014 Royals. They're not going to go to the World Series. But next year, they're going to be in that conversation to make the postseason. They're going to be in that conversation. They're going to be people's surprise pick. They're going to be having a lot of traction after the year they put together this year, I believe, in the AL East. So I had them at three. The fourth best team, I have the Boston Red Sox. You trade away Mookie Betts, the second best player in baseball, arguably the second best player in your franchise's history. Despite how luxurious your history is, you can make the argument he's your second best player behind, behind Ted Williams. I don't like that move, especially when you throw in the fact that they used David Price as a sweetener and only got back Alex Vertigo. I don't like that trade at all. I don't think that David Price's contract was so bad that you needed a sweetener of the second best player in the sport to get rid of him. That, to me, is insane. They weren't very good last year. They take a step back by losing the second best player in baseball and also losing a quality arm to eat innings in that rotation. I don't like it. They're going to move back behind the Blue Jays who are making strides and and trying to improve. And then, of course, the Orioles come in at last place. I think that the Orioles are the worst team in baseball. I think that they have made no improvements, really, and that they are going to, of course, be the worst record in the entire major leagues. And so now I have the most interesting division, in my opinion, is the NL East. It's hard to even pick who should win this division because one through four, they all have an argument to win the division. I I truly believe that they all can make a case, if you are a fan of the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Mets, you can make a case for why your team should win this division. You can make a case for why people who are picking against your team are stupid and wrong and don't know what they're talking about. And that's why I call this the most interesting division in all of baseball. But you got to make a decision, and I'm going to pick the Braves to win this division. I like the youth on this team. I like the core. I like what they've done this offseason, the, the, the minor moves that kind of get forgotten about right now as we sit here on the cusp of spring training. I think the Braves have done, has done enough to win this division yet again in the NL East. Second, I'm going to fall for it again. You can call me crazy. I fell for it last year. I'm falling for the Phillies. I love their lineup, especially when you put back McCutcheon. I like the addition of Didi Gregorius. I like their rotation to an extent. I think if Nick Pavetta can ever get it going the way that Phillies fans think that he can, again, every year seems to be the Nick Pavetta breakout year. We've been saying it for two to three years. But the rotation is really the only question mark I have. Their bullpen needs a little bit of work. I think that's easily going to be short up, though, at the trade deadline. I really like this Phillies team. I think that they're in the conversation to get the wild card spot. Right now, I'd probably give it to them. But there's a lot of competition, especially in the NL Central. So, first two teams off the board in the NL East, Braves and Phillies. You know, third place for me, again, it's tough because you don't want to 
omit any of these teams because, again, this is the rare division. I think that four teams have a legitimate chance to say, hey, we're going to win this division. I'm going to go with the Mets. I like the Mets pitching staff. I think that the Mets lineup is criminally underrated. I love the addition of Marcus Stroman last year. He almost got them back into the wildcard spot despite whenever the trade happening, everyone, including myself, going, what are you doing? Why would you give up assets for this team that's that's nowhere close to competing? And then Marcus Stroman comes in and, you know, coinciding with his time in New York, they go on that magical run to almost get them to the playoffs. If they would have expended the playoffs last year, I think that they would have been in. I like the Mets team. I think that they get off to a better start this year, and that creates buzz for them to push for the playoffs. I think that the Mets are a very good team, but it's the Mets, and everything somehow always goes wrong for the Mets. The Nationals losing Randon didn't really replace him, in my opinion. I don't know how they're going to perform this year. I think last year was a magical run that on paper legitimately should not have happened, given their slow start, given the on-paper talent. I just don't see it with the Nationals. I think that they go from a World Series team to a fourth-place team in this very tough division. And then with a competitive fifth place, I'm going with the Marlins, and I say that genuinely. In the AL East, I think that the Orioles are the worst team in baseball. I think that they have no chance of even competing, but the Marlins have a shot to compete night in and night out. It will just happen to end in losses because they have young players and because they don't have the the star power that these other, these other teams do. The Marlins still have Caleb Smith, who I like in that rotation. I like Sandy Arcantara in that rotation. I like the additions of VR and uh, you know Corey Dickerson. I like their additions that they've made this offseason, and I think that they're heading in the right direction. I think that they are the 2012 Royals, where you can see it building. You can see it coming. You can see it on the horizon. They're almost there, but not quite yet. They're, they're a year away from being a year away, in my opinion. So there you have it. That is the Eastern Division's picks and also the preview for spring training and how to watch spring training. If you want to interact with the show, do so on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let me know what you guys are going to be watching for at spring training this year. Let me know if you're going to spring training this year. I love hearing stories about people who make the, the trek out to Surprise Arizona and all the interesting things that happen at spring training baseball. Uh, Again, let me know what you guys are going to be watching for, what you guys are excited for this season uh, from spring training and just the regular season in general. Again, that's on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Also in the description of wherever you get your podcast, which you should be subscribing to. And if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a review, preferably five stars. Let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, how we can improve. I would greatly appreciate that. So be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Lockdown Royals Podcast.